0: The goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. Welcome to Perspective, a podcast for Wen Craves, where we sit down often with a special guest and talk about many years of experience in the wedding industry, so you can learn from us and grow your wedding business. And who are we? I'm Simon, and this is my honey bun, Greg. Together, (laughs) we're (laughs) Cinemate Films, Scottish-based wedding filmmakers, and we've teamed together with Photography Farm in anticipation of Thrive 2023, an all-star photography workshop taught by six phenomenal mentors. This episode is, of course, sponsored by With Jack, but we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. However, Greg, who are we talking to?
1: we are talking to Taylor Jackson. So hello, Taylor. How are you
2: doing? Hello. Who, who are you? I am. I don't know. That's a, that's a good <laughs> question. I do a lot of things. Uh, I am, I guess, primarily a wedding photographer. I also do YouTube content. I also do some educational stuff. I do. I do a lot of things. Whatever seems interesting at the time is, is kind of what we do. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Ooh. Yeah. So what the hell are you
2: doing here? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's morning here.
0: <laughs> Just woke up. <laughs> Just woke up. <laughs> well, welcome to the world. Yeah.
1: Welcome, welcome to the world. You. Thank you, thank you. What what have you been up to recently? Because uh, I've been checking out your YouTube and I see that there's a bit of a bromance developing between you and a mutual friend. Magic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Me. He's in every video we did. I don't know how it all worked out, but we ended up doing uh, we did a trip for the Sony A7R Mark V uh, that we did a bunch of content. And then we did uh, a Japan trip that he kind of joined last minute that I was like, hey, man, want to come? And then <laughs> we had an amazing time. So he's just I, I'm a cameo in like most of his YouTube content now. And he's a cameo in 95 percent of my videos now. Um, it's just yeah, it's, it's fun how it works out. But he's a lovely boy. I love magic.
0: He is a lovely boy. He is a lovely boy. Um, yeah, we, so we got to know him a little bit. Um, well, we, we, we got to meet him at way up north a good few years ago. And then, yeah, he, he came over to, uh, to Thrive, whatever the number was. And we've was been... just last year? We've been Wasn't friends it, was it ever since. it just last year? Was it last year? I feel <laughs> like it was more year, than yeah. last year. But yeah, we've been friends ever since. He's a lovely guy. A lovely guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. What have you been up to recently other than... Um, you know, your bromance with magic, you know, have you been (laughs) been shooting any more weddings? Have you been traveling to any distant lands and shooting some other stuff?
2: Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. Business is kind of a combination of things. So in the summer, um, I'm Northern Hemisphere. I'm in Canada. Uh, so typically I would say from May until October, I'm full-time wedding photography or mostly full-time wedding photography. So I'll do usually somewhere between um probably 50 to 60 weddings in that window uh so a lot of doubles and triples and then i will book off from typically like the second week of november up until uh usually kind of end of april maybe early may and uh just do travel and youtube content so that's kind of my balance it's kind of like two very specific seasons um i will take weddings if they seem interesting through the winter uh we just did a wedding in cabo a couple weeks ago and Mm -hmm. Um, I did a wedding with my friend, uh, Liam a couple days ago as well. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's a weird content man through the winter. And then, uh, (laughs) summer is wedding photography.
0: Yeah. How, how, how are you finding the the bookings so far for like your year ahead? Because, you know, we've spoken to a few people and, you know, the post COVID world seems to be that, you know, couples aren't spending the same way. Uh, so yeah. What's your experience with that being?
2: It seems like things are happening a little bit more last minute. Um, I would say prices similar. So I did, um, I guess it's, it's hard for me to do a one-to-one comparison. Um, I switched my pricing from private to public uh, last year, I guess last January. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was originally, I was just like starting rate contact me for full pricing guide. And then I flipped it. So now all my pricing is public, which means I obviously get less inquiries, but when I get inquiries, they're pretty much 95% ready to go um, uh-huh. to the point that like we don't even do a meeting a lot of the time that they're just like, how do we send you payment and how do we book you? Uh-huh. Um, so as a one-to-one comparison, I, I don't really know what kind of what marker I'd be at if I did still have my pricing because everything up until now is always um, based on how many inquiries I was getting that if I was getting mm-hmm. 45 inquiries in the month of January that that was good and now it's less, but most of them are booked. So yeah. I don't know. Prices seem the same inquiries, obviously down, um, and it seems like I'm in a normal year. I would be booking for typically this would be my twenty twenty four booking season, so January yeah, February. Yeah. I'd be booking for next year, and now I'm still filling up uh, kind of like September October. So uh-huh. a little more, a little more last minute, which I kind of dig.
0: Yeah, what what brought on that change to to switch your your pricing to to, to public?
2: It was a push. Um, so I am a part owner of a company called Focal and we do custom websites for photographers. And when I was talking with Lachlan, the CEO, he was like, we work with a lot of people and we've noticed that this is a good thing. <laughs> Basically, his um, his case was that you get clients and couples that are so low maintenance uh-huh. and they don't fill up your email box that they they know what they want. They're the people that come to the car dealership and they show up knowing exactly what they want to buy. They don't need to be sold on anything. There's no conversation. They just walk in, give me this. And that was true for the booking side of things. And then it's also true for the entire pretty much year leading up to the wedding. Um, Mm -hmm. At least last year booked in January, they would maybe send me an email a month before the wedding to be like, Hey, here's our final schedule. Need anything else? And My start to finish wedding um, email threads are now like maybe 15, 16 emails. Uh And in past years, it was like, I don't know, maybe like 30 would be 30, 45 would be kind of like reasonable. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that was the push that he was like, I've noticed this. Maybe it's a good idea. I tried it out. I tried it for last January and I got the, mm-hmm. roughly the same number of bookings. so
0: yeah, yeah. So, so we've had the, kind of a, a, a converse, well, many conversations throughout our years doing this, and there's always that you know which one's the best way to do things mm-hmm. And um, the, I think people get so if you're in the higher price bracket, I think people get put off by putting their higher prices up because they're going to scare they're not they're not going to have that face to face time where they can kind of almost convince a couple to book if you know what I mean yeah so yeah what well for those listening what what are your prices if you don't mind telling us and what sure. you offer just so people can, you know, if they've been thinking about this, they can kind of go away and, well, you know, Taylor, Taylor does this. And maybe I, maybe it's time for me to consider going, going that route.
2: Yeah. Let's look it up. Cause I don't know. I put prices on a website. And <laughs> then,
0: uh... Oh, thank God. It's not, I, yeah. I I, don't know how much we charge I don't know either. Oh, pricing. that's so
3: good. <laughs>
2: Um, I I know my like basic starting uh, package, but beyond that, so I, I, I guess I'm also a weird mix. So I do both photography and video coverage. So I'll do, um, it started as one person. Now I'll usually bring a second just because, um, days have gotten a little bit shorter and I find it hard to do a both photography and highlight film when I'm there for like five hours. Um, so I'll bring a second to help out with that. So, those days, um, again, Canadian prices. Um, so I'm starting at 34 or I guess 3,500 roughly for a six hour photography, only digital gallery. Mm -hmm. Um, now it's like weirdly kind of moving. It it feels kind of like a shoot and burn, um, to use terms from that are dead in the industry, I would say, um, because I'm using imagine to edit everything. So it really feels like I get home. I just auto call everything in AI. I clean that call up a little bit. And then I throw it through imagine for editing. And then all of a sudden my gallery is done. And this is usually I'll do it the night of the wedding. If I'm home at like maybe nine or 10 PM or weddings and tend, tend to end a little bit early here. Mm-hmm. Um, wedding goes on, I'm I'm just home.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so yeah, it feels like a shoot and burn that six hour package because I can call that wedding with imagine in like maybe 20 minutes total. The, the edit takes 10 minutes and the gallery is ready to go by midnight. Um, The next package up is with a second photographer, um, engagement session as well. Um, I've been noticing, maybe I'd be interested to talk to you guys about your experiences with uh, UK-based photographers, but Mm -hmm. I've been noticing way less of my couples want engagement sessions, um, almost to the point that I feel like by offering one, I'm kind of disconnecting from my ideal couples because everyone's taking them out now. Right. Um, Okay. Interesting. that might be the next thing to go from that package uh-huh. and then moving up into the next package which is the one i normally book it's six thousand canadian and it's a two to four minute highlight film as well as eight hours of photography coverage with two photographers mm-hmm. and then we offer full a full video package for for 10 grand but i don't like booking that one it's too much it's like if, if somebody's that serious about video hire a full video team like i'm not the <laughs> i'm not the person for you
0: yeah <laughs> hire us yeah (laughs) Um, well since we're talking about that um i noticed on your website and this this might be old news it probably is it's going to certainly certainly be old news to you but i didn't realize that you were one of the first photographers to offer the what we now call the hybrid style of of coverage so it's doing the photos and doing the films what what made you combine the two originally
2: it was a challenge. I was like, year, um, I started doing weddings in 2005 and around 2010 or maybe 2009, I got a Nikon D90 and it could do video. And everyone was making wicked awesome films with the, what is it, the 5D, 5D Mark two. Mark yeah. Um, and I was like, that looks awesome. Like, that's clearly the future of the industry i need to like at least get my foot into this otherwise i'm going to get left behind mm-hmm. so i started making some content i would i'd make them like maybe a 30 second to 1 minute um, kind of highlight cut and then i'm going to say maybe 2013 um, technology finally caught up maybe 2012 um, technology finally caught up where i could switch between photo video really quickly mm-hmm. and once nikon did that and the buffer dumped so quickly and i was able to take a bunch of photos of the the couple coming down the aisle and then switched to video. Um, once that technological thing unlocked at that point, I was like, Oh, this is a fun challenge. Mm -hmm. And I did maybe a minute and a half little highlights for my couples for a while. And then I don't know, got kind of pretty decent at it and figured out what I use, what I don't use and I can do it efficiently now. So, um, yeah. But I don't know if I'm the first one to do that. I just keep claiming it and I'm hoping that somebody <laughs> at some point refutes it. And they're like, no, you're clearly not that there was this guy. I'm like, awesome. Like now I know. Um, but yeah, so I'll keep claiming that until, uh, until told otherwise.
0: Yeah. As you should.
1: Yeah. And as did, did doing video at weddings come before doing your own sort of video for YouTube? What, what was the process there?
2: Um, I was doing videos that I, my YouTube account, I think I started in 2008, maybe. Yeah. Somewhere around 2008. Um, I was making videos. They were usually in the kind of comedy sector of photography, I guess. Um, and I started those first, but they were never well produced in any way. Um, it was just for fun. And then I think once I started doing wedding films, I started to, uh, get a little bit better at YouTube content as well, um, and understood the workflow and the efficiency of it. Mm. And it's been nice that the that things that premiere doesn't crash every five minutes on me now, like it did back then <laughs> still crashes a lot, but it does still crash a I'll, lot. I'll get on DaVinci <laughs> eventually. It's like, it's so hard to learn another system that I'm like, <sighs> this is good enough. I know that resolve is going to be better, but <laughs> it's like the, the week or two or four week Startup curve to learn where I'm at yeah. with Premiere right now. So did you yeah.
0: did you do the same thing as me? Like, did you jump to like Final Cut? What was it X when it, where yeah, it first X. came out to be like, oh, everyone's raving about this, and I got, I go I got scared off. So now I just <laughs> don't want to move from Adobe because it's a scary world out there, and I'm a am just a simpleton. I'll yeah. I, you know I'll I'll stick to what I know. Are you the same? Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, I think there's um, there's like a marketing term that f- to convince someone to jump from your product, it has to be like eighty percent better. Or I don't know what the official percentage is, but mm-hmm. I-, I feel that with that. And it's like I know that it's better, but it's is it thirty percent better? I don't know. And I don't know when you're so busy, it's so hard to introduce a change like that when what you're using is kind of good enough. And yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll look back on this in like ten years and be like, you idiot, you should have switched right now. But <laughs>
1: could have saved so much time (laughs) Um, so we're going to talk about your talk at thrive and how that's all around sort of income streams and stuff but obviously youtube's probably one of your income streams now was there a point in time where you switched from doing those comedy videos and thought right this could actually be something that drives revenue
2: yeah, it was. Um, I did an online course, I think, in 2014, 2015. And that was actually the first time that I did a behind-the-scenes wedding day and it was part of that course. And I, I didn't upload those. Those were the videos that really kind of people found super helpful on YouTube. Um, I had never uploaded one until maybe 2017, 2018. And then I put one of those behind-the-scenes wedding days up online and it was super popular. Uh, and I realized maybe at that point that this was something that was missing from the industry. And yeah, I think around that time I realized that like ad revenue wouldn't do it. So I'm like, okay, I got to be the guy that sells presets and I got to sell more online courses, um, in order to make it, uh, at least worth the time that I'm investing into making YouTube content. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was kind of that, that strategy there. And it's kind of as much time and effort as you want to put into it, as much, uh, money will come from it. So, it's kind of all at your discretion that if you want it to be a main income stream, you could, um, I always want to be a wedding photographer first that also creates education. Um, I feel like there's a weird switch that happens if I stop booking weddings and I continue teaching in the wedding space for some (laughs) reason, I'm just so disconnected from it. Um, so I always want to be primarily a wedding photographer. Um, maybe that means that I do, um, like 40 weddings next year rather than the 60 or whatever that I've been doing. But, um, yeah. I don't yeah. know. There's it's it's fun. Yeah.
0: I mean, your your YouTube career is is certainly I mean, you've you've got 598,000 subscribers uh as of researching for this podcast. <laughs> so, you you certainly mean as a name for yourself as a YouTuber, as someone who educates. Um Obviously, when I, when I'm looking at all your stuff, um a lot of business, a lot of like your presets and your educational courses are behind the paywall on your website. But I do love the fact that you still produce videos like um, free two and a half hour wedding photography tutorial behind the scenes at 10 full wedding days. I love that kind of stuff. I think it's great value for people who are even just starting and, and learning. How do you make con- like content for each platform like you're 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 behind the behind the paywall and your free content what is the difference
2: yeah it started as um or i guess it still is so i do all the the actual wedding day stuff the photography education um most of that is for free on youtube mm-hmm. there's some stuff that's locked down like i have like an off-camera flash course and um i called the introvert's guide for wedding photography posing because i was so awkward and uncomfortable <laughs> for the longest time um, So I'm like, maybe this is a needed thing. Mm. So th- those ones are locked down, but the, most of the just photography education is out there on YouTube. And then all of the business stuff is uh, what the course's website is for the most part, um, as well as like downloads, like contracts and um, templates for welcome guides and that type of thing.
0: Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff on there. So if, if any of you listeners haven't checked out Taylor Jackson's stuff, definitely go and check out because there is a wealth of education, free and paid for. It's definitely worth a look, for sure. Is
1: is there anything that you've learned yourself from sharing this content with people, like through the process of making these videos and coming up with ideas? Is there anything that you've learned?
2: Yeah, a ton, um, because you have to really think about why you do things uh, that a lot of, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like, I could go to a wedding day and I could almost be on that when you're driving on the highway and you're like, how did I get to the destination? I have no idea. (laughs) Um, I I feel like I could do that at a wedding day. I'm obviously like intentional to be present. And when you do photo video coverage at the same time, you have to be very present. Um, But most of my decisions for the most part happen kind of in the background. And then when you go and you have to talk about it and you have to teach why you did things at that point, you understand why you do things on a entirely different level so it's um it's been an interesting bunch of years uh to really learn and to watch myself on video and be like why did i do that i have no idea yeah um and to kind of reverse engineer why you did things is is kind of cool yeah
0: yeah because i wonder as creatives out there um do you do you, like for the people listening do you ever just like show up at when when do your stuff and then go home and just you, do you ever like contemplate why you do certain things, the decisions that you make? Cause I very rarely do. I'm not going to lie, Greg. Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> not to scare you or anything, but I probably should spend more time doing that this year. It's
1: it's definitely a good process. Like as Taylor says, he's learned a lot from reviewing why he does things. Like it's probably something that most creatives should do on a regular basis in their
0: business. Yeah. Yeah. Take up some yoga, meditate, <laughs> go over your life decisions <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh <laughs> um Taylor one of your uh, videos on your website mentions that you um sorry not you that wedding photography is like an inverted nine to five um I when 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 I heard that I was not, not surprised but I think many of us out there are just so worked to the bone um and you seem to produce so much content, how do you manage your time so well? And do you have any <laughs> advice for people who are struggling uh, like because some of us, uh, probably certainly last year, probably got to the line, the line, or even crossed the line into you know burnout. And I'll, we're going to be speaking to Sam Docker on the podcast about this. That's his topic of Thrive, so let's not get too deep. But <laughs> <laughs> what's your experience with that being?
2: It's, um, yeah, it's definitely hard. So I do, uh, I do so much. I feel like it's so ridiculous the amount that I do that I have to hire people. Um, so I have an editor that does all my video content, um, or most of it at least. And then I have, uh, up until last year, I was using a service that did all my photo editing. Uh, so they would call everything and they would edit everything. Um, this year it's almost as fast for me to just do it, um, with AI help that, it existed last year it was pretty good but now it's like really really good um so that's kind of i guess uh my workflow is that i just hire somebody if i know it's going to be something that takes a lot of time or if it's something that i don't want to do i don't want to do my bookkeeping i don't want to put together my taxes so i can hire somebody that's better at it than me um, and then focus on the fun stuff or focus on the stuff that actually makes you money that if rather than spending a bunch of hours every month on bookkeeping, I can invest that time either into enjoying my life or put it back into marketing time where Mm -hmm. I create assets to connect with my ideal couples and to actually book more work.
0: Yeah, for sure. What would you say to people who are like, um, I really want to use other people's services to like edit or stuff like that, but I also like the sound of the money not leaving my bank account. (laughs) Because I know there's people out there. I know you. Are, you're driving right now. You're listening going, shit, that's me. Fuck. and I, but I do need help. Taylor, tell them how to improve their lives.
2: <laughs> I, I got onto it very, very early. It was something that I knew was going to be a thing in my business. And I knew that in order to have a business that I really enjoyed, that it was uh, a critical thing for me to start outsourcing. Um, I would say, depending on if you're in the photo or the video stream, photography is pretty easy to outsource. Uh, that especially with like AI tools now, it can get you 95% of the way to what your final gallery will be very quickly. Mm -hmm. Video on the other side is a lot more, um, I I feel like a lot more of you goes into it in the edit. So if you're hiring somebody, uh, yes, you can use one of the web services and they'll probably do a pretty good job. Um, But if you can train someone, I've found that to be a little bit better um, to also editors burn out after a little bit because, I don't know, you're just staring at wedding footage all the time and they get sick of it, (laughs) photo editors especially. (laughs) Um, So train someone. Try to not let them work for 55 different wedding video teams because they will just get burnt out and not want to work for anyone. Yeah. Um, Give them, I think, a variety of work is also key. That um, Tyler, the guy that works with me, that, yes, he does weddings, but also he does a bunch of YouTube content and just kind of interesting stuff. Sometimes he's in the videos. Um, so I think it keeps it a little, a little mix of interesting rather than just like, here's 55 wedding videos that I need done <laughs> this year. Um, that does not seem fun, but that, yeah,
0: that does not seem fun. Oh my God. <laughs> <Like> I'm, just, <laughs> but, I'm just, I'm just waiting for the time that AI gets good enough that we can just chuck video content and sound and it'll just be like, boop, there you go. Yeah. Well, that is what 10 I'm going to, I'm going to put, I'm going to put a bet, a pizza bet where if I'm <laughs> right, you buy me a pizza. And if I'm well, wrong, well, it will be Taylor, you, you too. Who's
1: right. taking them up in this bet? I'm going
0: I'm to say 10 years for AI to get good enough to produce good wedding films. Okay, exactly. I think crazy? it'll be sooner. I is think that,
1: it'll be sooner. You think it's going to be sooner? How yeah. soon? Yeah. Pizza I'm bet. Not putting, I'm just going over under. I'm no, going under. Right, that's...
2: <laughs> Taylor, what about you? What's your bet? I know a lot of companies that are already working on it. Um, they're more in the social space, I would say, mm-hmm. but that's all going to trickle down because you're looking for the same moments. You're looking for the happy moments and people smiling and looking their most flattering of the day. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say two years for a really terrible version that... <laughs> We'll just lay all the, the. it'll essentially call your footage for you. Yeah. yeah. It'll throw it all in the timeline and be like, here's probably what you want. Mm-hmm. But it's still like 15 minutes of footage that you're going to have to put into a five minute edit. Yeah. Um, and then after it can do that, well, I'm going to say it'll be another year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suspect that people are for sure, maybe not working on it in the wedding space, but working on it on the sense of uh, how do we take that phone dump? of all this footage from your year and actually make you something beautiful and cinematic rather than just like the iPhone, uh, like the Apple, like here's your dinners over the years. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy this wicked slideshow. Um, <laughs> it's going to be better and audio is going to be better and color correction and everything. Mm. That's probably going to be first to go. I would say color correction and audio is going to be the first AI.
0: Yeah. for Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I don't know if you remember this and that, Oh shit! We've lost the we've lost the logo, Greg, on the TV. <laughs> God, stupid TV. Uh, there we go. Where are we? Oh, we're, yeah, we're in perspective. Uh, I don't know if you remember this. It was maybe about five years ago. We were driving from a wedding, and I remember that time we were trying to we were developing an audio recorder, mm-hmm. right? I had this idea of, uh, like software that you could just chuck all your footage in, and it would analyze the footage and the sound. And it would be able to just cut the rest out. I think that's going to be the first step yeah I really that, yeah. I really do, like Taylor just said,
2: but have you guys used the uh adobe a i podcast software yet?
0: Yes, I actually so i I seem to have just i i popped onto it when it was like pretty new like no one was talking about it and i thought i was like it's like when you discover a band <laughs> and you're like i'm not going to tell anyone about this band i'm just going to keep them for myself oh, you told g- me i told, I told you <laughs> but uh honestly um well what a game changer because yeah. although we do mike the bride uh, you know with a little you know dictaphone type device a sony um it wasn't the greatest sound but now i can just use the groom's mic and just chuck the yeah. bride stuff in there and it is fucking good i'm not gonna lie yeah it's very good as
2: long as long as they have your voice because it um from what i've noticed is that it merges your voice with an ai voice that's how it's so good yes um and 80 percent of the people i use it on it has a similar voice and then some of them like it, it doesn't have my voice it has my voice like 10 years ago <laughs> it's very strange so I, it it feels like i like face tuned my voice to make myself sound younger. Yeah. Um, but it's just because it didn't have the AI voice to layer that was exactly my voice. Or if you're like a little bit raspier on a day, um, it'll just like remove that in a weird way where you sound like an 18-year-old uh-huh. um, again. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's not perfect yet. There's definitely some digital artifacts that you can hear. Mm.
0: Oh, yeah, right. definitely. But I, it's I actually, good enough. I I love it when it's just like um, it thinks someone's talking but there's no one talking and it just puts words into spaces. And you're like, what the fuck is that? Oh God, it sounds terrible. And a little bit frightening. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, also, it doesn't handle the Scottish accent very well. Ooh. I don't, I don't know if that's just me. It might just be, you know, the, I'm, it's, I, this just is, it's having to process too much. Um, Cause I, I really do use it when it gets, you know, difficult to hear. Yeah. Um but yeah. Anyway, since since we were talking about uh time-saving um methods, uh, our pal Ashley um she's doing the Oh fuck, what's it called? Pomodoro. Pomodoro. The Pomodoro technique. Have you heard about the Pomodoro technique? It's an old technique. Everyone knows. No. But you, Right, so this is... No, God. Everyone knows about you, Taylor. Come on. Where are you? Where do you mean? Well, I could look it up
2: right now and pretend that I knew, but no, I don't know.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It, it, it seemed to have a, a bit of a heyday in like, I want to say five years ago again, but um, so it's, it's essentially, it's like a Pomodoro tomato timer and you time it for 45 minutes and then you rest for 15. So it's like an hour, you know, it sets an hour, you work for 45 minutes, you always have a 15 minute break and you just rinse and repeat that cycle. It's supposed to keep your brain fairly, produ- fair, fairly productive, I think, yeah, I yeah. think, but do you have any other, you, like when, when you're doing work yourself, do you have any other time-saving methods or are you just like, gonna do, do my work, now <laughs> is gonna be the moment, go.
2: Um, there's an element of that. I feel like I've done, I've been very intentional. Um, so one of the reasons that I love wedding photography is the time freedom that it allows you to have, mm. um, which might sound crazy cause there's obviously so much back end and editing, but if you're able to outsource that and make that kind of all go away, you now, um, like most of the, the weeks on my calendar, um, all, all of this month specifically, um, I have a dentist appointment and that's the only um, official like calendar item that I have, that I have to be at a f- specific place at a specific time. Um, everything else is all just like kind of do whatever I find the most interesting on the day. Okay. Um, so I just, I wrote a book over the past uh, three weeks. So I just like woke up every morning and I would just write usually until about noon. Um, and it wasn't, I don't know. I didn't force myself to do it until noon. It was just that that's kind of what felt right most of the time. Uh Um, And when you start to kind of burn out on that task, there's more other tasks that you can focus your afternoons on. Um, So I very, very much like having kind of that time available. Uh, And I feel like that's kind of something that's helped me out a lot in terms of just productivity. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't feel the stress to be like, I need to get this done before 11 because Eleven to three, I'm out of the studio or whatever um, that I'm able to relax and actually do a good job of everything that I do. Yeah, um, and that's been a very intentional choice that I've said no to so much stuff. I've pretty much shut down most of the commercial side of my business um, because of it as well. And all that time kind of goes into YouTube content and and that type of thing. But um, yeah, it was a very kind of intentional choice, and that's where I've found I don't know more happiness and just like cool. enjoyment of life, I guess.
0: Uh-huh. Well, yeah. What what's your what's your book about? If you don't mind me asking.
2: Uh, wedding photography. Very ah, original. Very original. Write um, <laughs> <laughs> what you yeah. know is what they say. So. Yeah. So yeah, that was every day for a bit. And then, um, focal, our team there has a a few, uh, English majors. So I was like, great, I have some editors. So (laughs) a few of the guys there helping me out and Uh Kimmy, the the girl that designs everything for us. So it's like, it's a real team effort over there that they're like, Oh cool. You wrote a book. Great. Yeah. I'll just edit that for you. I guess we hate you. (laughs) Um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah.
0: Are Are they, are they called ghostwriters? Or they is that someone who writes a book on your behalf, like completely? Yeah, I think that's something different. Yeah. Completely, editors
1: the, are different than ghostwriters. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Yeah.
0: I just thought that was, like, I don't know. If you're a if you're a a book editor, it just doesn't sound very good, you know. But no. ghostwriter does. A ghostwriter yeah. does That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that you guys need to revamp your titles or anything, but you know,
1: it sounds sounds like you're quite good at having filling your free time with productive stuff for work. Whereas I know a lot of creatives would find that whole month of free time and just be like, cool, I'll do nothing or just piss my time away and just not be productive. So it's quite <laughs> good that you're actually active and creating more work and doing stuff that's furthering your business. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: It's, yeah. um, I feel, I feel like that's kind of the entrepreneur thing that you always have stuff that you kind of want to be doing. Um, I think it's just like sitting down. Um, One of the things that I find helpful is whenever you're leaving your office day. So if you say that you're done at 5. PM, whenever you're leaving, um, this was especially helpful when writing, I would figure out what my next chapter was going to be so that I would know exactly what I was going to be doing the next morning when I woke up. Um, And that seemed to like, kind of put me into a loop of like that, Oh, I'm kind of excited about writing about that. Like I'll wake up and I'll actually get to it. Whereas if you wake up and you have like full blank page syndrome, you're like, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to go get coffee and then I'm going to go drive around aimlessly for the next three hours. <laughs> then maybe I'll go to the camera shop. Maybe I I do need a new 50. Yeah. Um. So it's very easy to kind of get off on that if, uh, if you wanted to. So I like, I like knowing in the morning that like, Hey, I, I need to do these two things today mm-hmm. and yeah, maybe they're going to take a few hours, but um, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's quite a good tip. Intention to do that.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a good tip. So let's let's talk about your your wedding work for a wee while. So, where? Uh, sorry, how would you describe your style of wedding photography?
2: It's like I don't know. So I tend to change. Um, obviously, my style stays like the same kind of candid uh, overall style but I would say in terms of visuals, it changes from week to week a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm one of the crazy ones, I guess, or maybe this is normal. I I honestly don't know, Um, but I use different presets on different weddings. So if I go to a wedding day at a vineyard and everything is green, I'm using a preset. I'm using a look on that entire gallery. And then if I go to something that's in like a darker castle style environment, I'm using a completely different look on that. Mm -hmm. And I don't, market myself as kind of like a light and eerie or dark and moody or anything like that. I'm just kind of whatever the day looks like is what I'm going to stay true to. Um, I'm not going to go in. I'm not going to change environments to kind of fit my style. So yeah, whenever that question comes up, I'm like, it's kind of my style is your wedding. And they're like, that doesn't make any (laughs) sense. I'm like, it'll make sense. It'll make sense. Um, But yeah, overall, it's uh, a little bit different every week. And then depending on the couples as well, Um, I'm pretty introverted, so I tend to organically attract a lot of introverted and, um, kind of awkward ish couples in front of the camera. So some weeks they're, they're down to do like a half hour photo session. The two of them, some weeks they're like, Hey, can we just do this smile face the camera photo? And that's all we need for the, for like our photos and the entire rest of the day is candid. So, um, there's nothing, or you get slammed into a time frame like that, that it's like sunset and you have to do all the family photos, bridal party and couple in 15 minutes, which was our Cabo wedding.
0: Um,
2: yeah, we did it though. We did it. Um, yeah, it somehow worked out, but yeah, so it's, um, it's a little bit different, I think every week and that keeps it fun that you need to kind of have that variety, I think, to, to keep yourself from burning out and, Mm-hmm. Once, if you enter a loop, I work at the same venues all the time as well. If you enter a loop of like, this is what I do at 2 PM at 2 PM, we go to this spot, we take these 10 photos and then at two 30, we're going to be doing these five photos and you can do 15 family combinations in 15 minutes. Um, yeah, I don't ever want it to be like that. I like to, I like the variety of the day. So
0: yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Do you, do you have any like, um, creative influences for your work? Uh, you know, uh, you know a lot of artists are like filmmakers or even like you know music artists um influences that change your work or change change the way that you you view the the world of weddings
2: yeah that's um i i feel like i need to think about this more cuz my immediate thought was that i don't really that i obviously um i am in the wedding space all the time so i'm organically seeing visuals from weddings um all of the time but there's no single photographer that i look to to be like uh, or go on their Instagram and kind of be like, I would love to do elements of this. Um, I did that heavily in the beginning for sure. That mm-hmm. um, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I need somebody to point me in the right direction, and I'd look at somebody like uh, Jerry Gionis, an Australian photographer, and I'd be like, I want to do that. And then the next week, I'd be like, yeah, this Jeff Newsom guy, he's creating some pretty crazy work with like spaceships, and I would be like, I need, I need to do this. I need to bring in these elements, and they're like totally conflicting. Um, I feel like I did that for a long time. I just want to do everything. Everything is fun. Um, Now I feel like I kind of know more of kind of what my style is and I'm able to stay a little bit more true to that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I look a little bit less at what's going on because I know it's going to make me do stuff that's out of that style. Um, I, f- I feel like when I first met, uh, my, my now friend, he shot our wedding, Sam heard, um, when I first came across his stuff, I'm like, yes, I do need to use prisms for everything. <laughs> and then I realized that it wasn't, it's not, it's not for me, um, that you can create cool stuff. And Sam does incredible work with that. And just like weird magician stuff that you you don't know how the image came together. Mm-hmm. Um, but my couples don't so much care about that. They just want an efficient, easy photo shoot day or they, they want to have a wedding they're not having a photo shoot um they want to have the wedding first and then where where do the photos fit into that 10 15 minutes here and there mm-hmm. um is more their style and they just want they want to look good and they want the day to appear as it is so um they're not after me for that like heavy creativity like they would be for someone for sam yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Talk, talking about like the wedding industry you've you've been in the industry for a while like we started in 2010, and we thought we'd been in the industry for a while, but 2005, it's a bit longer. That.
0: Don't tell people
1: uh, But you're, you're trying not to sort of pay too much attention to what's going on in the industry, but obviously being in the educator sphere as well, you must have to pay some attention to it. So, What's your thoughts on the sort of photography industry just now?
2: I would say everyone is so good now. Um, it's almost overwhelming. And I feel like if I was getting into the industry right now, I would definitely feel overwhelmed with the quality of work that is just coming out for both photography and also video. Um, I feel like mirrorless cameras have kind of helped us a little bit where we're pretty lazy now. You just kind of point a camera and you put together a rough frame and then you just shoot it at 1.2 and it looks amazing. Um, So I feel like there's an element of that. Um, But then there's also the element of that like everyone has picked their very specific niche and they've gone all the way down the road with it. And if you, if you want to look at like Icelandic elopements and you find your way onto Gabe McClintock's Instagram page, <laughs> you're like, I can never compete with this. Mm. And I feel like it's, it's overwhelming. So um, maybe if I can give advice to, to anyone listening um, is to, Pick the kind of the bits and pieces from, from those Instagram profiles that you like and know that year one, year two, you're not going to have access to those locations and you're not going to have access to that wardrobe or, um, the venues. So pick the bits and pieces you have control over. And if, if that's the posing work with that work within kind of what you have and try a bunch of different stuff and whatever seems to connect the best with you, um, keep doing that. Whatever, whatever you enjoy kind of creating, um, continue down that road, I would say
0: yeah that's cool um, talking about creating do you when a couple hire you and you go to a wedding and I feel like I already know the answer to to this because of what you've been saying so far but when you go to a wedding do you shoot for the client or do you shoot for yourself
2: Um, I think I shoot for the client which is weird because a lot of the I have signed off to do like YouTube videos and stuff so I feel like I shoot almost for my client and then also for YouTube, which is maybe a bit of a weird mix. (laughs) Um, It's not so much for me. I don't, I don't know if there's like any images that I'm like, I need to create this image today. Um, I think it's all just kind of based on what's possible on the wedding day. And then I just run a GoPro kind of on everything. And then I figure out um, kind of how to present that as something educational and interesting um, to a larger audience. But yeah, I don't know. I would say it's like 95%, may- maybe call it, let's call it 80 20, um, 80% plus for the couple side. for me um, that I'm just kind of happy to get them. Maybe this also comes with being in the industry for so long um, that in the early stages, I was definitely like, I need to create these five things for my portfolio. I need them to exist. And now I'm kind of like whatever organically happens today, I'm not going to like force anything. If, if we get to go outside at nighttime and do some star photos, awesome. If we don't, that's cool too. Mm -hmm. Um, That I'm not too pushy, I guess, of uh, my demands on the couple. And it's more so just kind of whatever, they seem up for on the day
0: yeah the the whole youtube sharing a wedding um that is quite interesting that is not your norm so how do you go (laughs) about speaking to your couples about creating youtube content at their wedding are they bothered by it or is it normally okay How, how, how do you approach it
2: um i i think that in the beginning maybe i did um it was more so that I would do anything that was in like public spaces. I was kind of just fine with, and I would show my couples that and I'd be like, Hey, this is kind of what I do. If you are cool with it, great. If not, that's fine too. Um, but yeah, everyone seems kind of down with it. The privacy laws in Canada are also different. I feel like if you're in maybe specifically Germany or um, some of the other EU countries, it's maybe a little bit more challenging to do mm-hmm. this kind of like full release on uh, everyone, every guest that's at a wedding day on a private property event. Um, but in Canada it's, it's pretty okay, I would say. Um, and I, am also very aware of anyone that doesn't want to be photographed on a day. If I'm getting kind of that vibe that they're always like staring at my camera or like anytime I move, they're like positioning them away. Um, Uh, in in some, in a case like that, like I'm just aware on the day and I kind of can tell who wants to be even in a blog post versus who doesn't want to be. And if they wouldn't want to be in a blog post, they're not going to, want to be in the video um and then i I show less uh of actual like personal moments like i'm typically not going to bring a camera into a couple's house before the wedding if it's their actual family home but if it's a hotel and everything's pretty clean it's i think it's fine to do a couple minutes of hair makeup um so i think it's just kind of at my discretion for what i actually show and then i kind of show couples that like hey this is kind of what it looks like and they there's no red flags on it yeah um yeah so it's it's fun though they they seem to, like, they think it's cool that they get to see their wedding from the perspective of the wedding photographer as well. Um, yeah. I think a lot of them watch it.
0: Yeah, well, actually, talking about the whole perspective thing, um, the whole, uh, and now when the name escapes me, because I'm recording a podcast and I can't remember the name, obviously <laughs> this happens. Um, oh, the The trend now is to get people who are doing, like, um, your iPhone photos and video. Oh, you're talking about the
1: the, having a content creator. Come a to content, wedding. yes, thank so you. So someone you hire to do Insta stories for you or something.
0: Yeah. Uh, have you? I mean, have you worked with a content creator before? But I have. although you are a content creator, and like, you know what I mean,
2: you know, yeah. What I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. No, there's. Um, I'm gonna say over the past two months mm-hmm. i've seen 10 businesses for it pop up locally yeah. okay all at all at different price points so some of them are like two thousand dollars for the day i'm like what are you doing for two wow. grand that's like more expensive than a <laughs> photographer yeah um and yeah so it, it'll be interesting i think this is going to be the year that people figure out what they like what they don't like um i've had it a few times i've done a few celebrity weddings um that have had that style of like, that we need stuff right now to be up on Instagram for, there's like Hello Canada. It's like one of the weird tabloid almost magazines. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I've, I've kind of worked with it in the past, but okay. I don't know. I think this is going to be the year of it um, where it gets big and then I suspect it gets really big and then goes away pretty quickly, to be honest. Because <laughs> um, it's to have someone there doing content all day um, on like a phone in vertical format, mm. how much how much of that are you going to use? Um, I feel like I I could kind of run those clips and get those clips, and maybe it becomes part of a, a video package.
0: Mm. Yeah, um, well, rather
2: than having a dedicated.
0: Well, Taylor, maybe because iPhones and <laughs> Samsung phones are, get, are getting so good, maybe maybe they'll overtake, and maybe we'll disappear. Does that yeah. ever bother you? <laughs>
2: Um, I, I think about that a lot, especially, so this was a a big topic with AI, um, for image editing, because you can shoot, like I can give someone a camera for the first time ever. And now they can process all those images through AI and it's going to look as good as a lot of people now. Um, so I think there is an element of nervousness. I don't think that our jobs are going away because we are documenting real-life events. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that there's, uh, I guess, an additional level of seriousness to that that you're always going to probably want to have. If you are serious about having nice wedding videos and photos, you're going to want to have someone there. But I think the bottom end of the market may start to erode a little bit um, with that style of coverage that... I don't know. I've seen some iPhone videos and it's like the gimmick that this video was shot on an iPhone and it's like, you know what? It looks pretty good. It's the wrong tool for the job, but <laughs> yeah. you did it.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the one that comes to mind is um oh shit, was it White in Reverie? Was it White in Reverie when the iPhone yeah. twelve came out, maybe? Uh, no, and theirs was years ago. Was it was it even further back? Yeah, way back. Oh god. <laughs> but yeah, they they obviously had their phone on a gimbal and they made this very, very cinematic film. Um it was pretty beautiful. I'm not gonna lie. Obviously, for us, you could see it was a, a phone, but they did very well. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna call an intermission <laughs> because Greg, I brought you some intermi- intermission snacks. What? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell?
1: I thought that was a plant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was blended in with a <laughs> thank you. So these are these are munch too that I left in the fridge. They were supposed to be for my lunch, but my my wife's ill, so I, I I didn't come in. So
1: we'll, we'll bring you some at thrive, I guess. Okay, I'm very, <laughs> thank you. I'm very sorry. It. I'm um, sure
0: they'll still be fine then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we can bring Taylor something a bit better than what are these munch twos. What are these? Are they garden peas? I didn't check. Why didn't I check? I I don't know. Because well. We've asked people on the podcast for certain for certain likes that they have. Rebecca obviously coke zero. Yeah. Lily Red. I mean, I really do want to bring her a bowl of pasta, but that's too much. That'd be too much. <laughs> I'll need to I'll need to try and remember what, what Lily was.
2: Can you remember? Just pasta. Pasta. Yes. And um, now
0: Taylor, you're getting nice healthy vegetables.
2: <laughs> that's that's okay. That that sounds nice. It does? Okay, okay. And
0: uh, I'm, I'm actually, I'm really calling the intermission because I have a beer of can. Uh, I've got a beer of can here. And uh, <laughs> what's wrong with me today? I don't know. And I'm just going to open this. Okay. I didn't want that coming up in the audio. Thank you, Taylor.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like a little ASMR uh yeah, I'm the true oh, multisensory experience for. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Quick, Greg, send my audio to the right and yours to the left, and we'll just munch. <laughs> and Turn people on quietly. If um, if you guys want more perspective content, you can join us on YouTube. dot com forward slash at Perspective by Cinema. Hit that subscribe hit that sc- sub- sub- subscribe button. You know the button that says subscribe on it. Don't listen to my voice. And you you can join us. And while you're there, I mean, I'm sure you're already subscribed to Taylor. Um, But if not, hit subscribe there because he's got some good content and he's a funny man. Um, (laughs) Let's move on, shall we? Taylor, thank thank you for bearing with us. I seem to have lost the power of speech right now. Your talk is titled Creating Multiple Income Streams what do you think creatives think of when they hear income streams in a world full of passive income strategies and Bitcoin?
2: <laughs> Everyone wants to get rich quick. They really um, do. I think there's an element of that. And I think that that's just because it's been kind of taken. Um, maybe income streams is one of those terms that has been taken by people that make content of that style. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's, There's a get rich quick element, but I feel like it's the correct way to kind of structure a business, Mm -hmm. Um, especially as we noticed over the past couple of years uh, when, at least in Canada, our weddings went pretty much to zero in 2020. And it was very nice to have a commercial side of my business and also YouTube side of my business and um, a few, I still have stock photography from forever ago. And it was very nice to know that even if I couldn't shoot weddings for the foreseeable future, that at least I could put more time into those other aspects of my business and kind of capitalize on the opportunities. It's like you see that, okay, we can't go out in real life. That means everyone's going online. So there is such a high demand for online content creation in that time. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of all about just being variable and mobile enough to to be able to switch gears if required um, or if something catastrophic happens like that that you have other options Um, or simply if you just burn out of one thing and you just don't feel like doing it anymore if you if you're like this is the last the last season I'm going to do 20 30 weddings after this I'm going to do 10 a year and you're going to have to find a way to make that work for your business especially if you have a family yeah for sure for sure Uh, Are are you investing in Bitcoin um, so I have a, a very sad, uh, Dogecoin story actually. Go. So, um, 2016, I think 20, yeah. So 2016, no 2017. Um, my wife and I got married in 2017 in December and this was like just kind of in one of those huge surges and Dogecoin came out and I was like, that's funny. So I bought, I think $2,000 worth of it in 2017, but then I sold it. In March of that next year, because we were going on our honeymoon, and I was like, "Ah, that two grand would be nice." And then, whenever it blew up for no reason a couple of years ago, I was like, "I shouldn't look at how much I would have had." And it was like three point eight million or something um, from that from that two grand. Um, but no, I've been I've been somewhat invested in um, specifically Ethereum for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's important again to diversify. That don't put all your money into especially those those investments um but yeah it's it's been, it's been a journey i guess yeah. highs and lows it's like being be an entrepreneur
1: yeah i mean <laughs> just just go and check what that dogecoin coin would be worth now because it wouldn't be 3.8 million yeah very true <laughs> what what happened to doge is it so it would still be there but is still? i think everything's kind of not great just now yeah
0: yeah, yeah. well hey don't don't you know it'll come back uh, the the share market is not damaged it was growth i don't know what it is now but yeah <laughs> i'm just saying companies did profit from the pandemic as is well what, is what i'm saying oh yeah mm-hmm. um, so
1: tell us tell us a bit more about what people can expect from the creating when income streams talk at thrive obviously not in too much detail mm.
2: it's um it's all things that i've done um so i, I never want to speak about theoreticals that like, Hey, maybe this could work. You should spend all of your time. Try this untested thing. (laughs) Um, it's all things that I've done over the past, uh, recent career, um, to generate income in ways that are not just specifically weddings. Um, I also do want to talk to weddings and, um, generating more income within those wedding days, but it's also all kinds of things outside of that, including like mailing lists and like everyone thinks mailing lists are dead, but it's the best way to fill up your family calendar around Christmas specifically, like if you just need a quick burst of cash to get you through the holidays, if you launch a special on December 22nd and you mail it out to the 150 clients that you've worked with in the past and 10, 15, 20 of them book a family session, all of a sudden your Christmas is a little bit happier and you're not stressed out financially. Um, so it's just kind of all those tips and, and ways to kind of structure your financial life to be hopefully a little bit happier and a little bit more customizable for what you want to do. Um, especially kind of in those burnout phases.
0: Yeah. That was actually going to be one of my next points was like, it it, is part of your talk, um, covering, you know, content that photographers normally create on a wedding day. They just don't utilize. Mm -hmm. Is it, is that, is that going to be a a part of it? Because I know, I know for sure lots of photographers create so much content, filmmakers too, so much content, but are we utilizing it in the most efficient way for monetary gain? I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, no, um, I've noticed that with like doing the behind the scenes videos. It's that, so you go there, you shoot a wedding day or you, you make your wedding film and that's the end thing for the client, but also you could easily turn that into a venue review, um, like a, a online video thing where you do a voiceover or maybe you go back and you talk on site and you make a great piece of content for YouTube that is also on your blog. That's also cut to vertical for social media, and maybe you interview some people there. And you make it super legitimate, and you make it a piece that is so good that now the venue wants you as a preferred vendor because now this piece of content is booking them weddings. So there's there's so many things you can do when you're there on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just takes a few years to get like you kind of got that got to get your wedding process on, not autopilot, but you got to know what you're doing before you can start thinking about all those other things that you might be able to be doing as well.
0: Mm -hmm. I was watching one of your YouTube videos uh, and you were talking to Sam and I can't remember, I think it was Sam who mentioned it. Um, Going to, you know, you show a wedding, as a wedding photographer, you have been to a venue, go away, review that venue. I thought that was a great little uh, tidbit there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Sam, he, he's been doing it for a few years now. And um, it's, it's one of those things that I'm like, I'm surprised you're sharing this. I'm happy <laughs> that you're sharing this. But like, this is like a really sneaky way that he's getting like thousands and thousands of views on his images um, yeah. on Google every single day. And definitely booking weddings from it, like anyone that's researching a venue is going to end up on that Google reviews page. And when his images are always up there ranking number one, it's going to be a pretty easy thing for him to book weddings from that. So,
1: yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It goes back to last week talking to Lily. She said about when she tries to become a destination photographer for a certain destination, she tries to become the expert for that area. Mm. And that makes, if you're number one review on Google, it makes you appear like an expert in that industry, Uh, in that venue, sorry. So, yeah, goes back to that.
2: Yeah.
0: Hey, I'm Ashley from With Jack. I'm one of the sponsors of the Perspective podcast. With Jack helps to keep photographers in business by supporting them financially and legally if they have problems with a client or they make a mistake in their work. We've all had that fear of our CF card or our hard drive failing and losing important photos. You can find out more at withjack.co.uk. Head over there and find out how we can help you be a confident creative
1: do you think do you think some photographers yeah you were talking about how you have to sort of get your wedding workflow down and refined before you can start looking at diversifying do you think even when photographers get to that point where they're like right okay the workflow's set in stone here know what's happening I'm in the business do you think some people get to that stage and they've still got a mental block on how to then create new ways of making money out with purely photography?
2: Yeah, for sure. You get kind of set in a, I I don't know, I I feel this. And I felt this for a number of years, actually, where you just kind of get set on that path. And that's the thing that you do and it's making money. You're busy. So you're not looking at anything else. You're kind of tunnel vision on it. And I did that for years and years and years. Um, I'm going to say probably from 2012 to 20. Maybe sixteen. I was very focused on just only my wedding business and that was it. And then I realized that I was leaving a lot of dollars on the table and also a lot of dollars that are both fun and dollars that are, um, I guess, diversify my business as well. Um, So I think that was kind of what motivated me. Um, It was also that I kind of almost need to see an example um, a lot of the time or especially at that time. Of what I wanted to do before I was able to go out and do it. So I wasn't just I wasn't gonna take a risk on a thing that I thought was a good idea if someone else hasn't already kind of gone down that path. Mm -hmm. And I think that was another key for me was to see what other people are doing in other places and see how I could kind of implement something similar to what I do here in my local area.
0: Yeah. Okay. It was quite interesting that you said about kind of the tunnel vision idea. Let's help those who maybe have tunnel vision a little bit out. What income streams should photographers and filmmakers consider implementing into their business? And are they easy enough to create? And like, how? I know people are going to be like, "Well, how how easy? How passive? How passive is this income (laughs) going to be?" I'd love to be putting prints out and people buy my prints and I make money and not do anything, which is the dream. But um, yeah, and obviously not to give too much of your talk away, Taylor, but could you maybe give people out there a few examples?
2: Yeah, it's I would say whatever seems the most interesting and or the most attainable to you right now. Um, Obviously, the easy one for wedding photographers is family photography. Start that email list and rather than getting like it's it's so hard for us to get that one time multi-thousand dollar sale to just say goodbye to that client and never see them again. Seems very weird. You've already built the trust. They've already booked you. Like they will come back when they have a kid for some family photos. So to keep in touch with them and to build that audience, um, I think is very important, um, to have an email list that you can just, when you need to make money that you're able to send send out to them and you're able to generate revenue on demand like that, um, that you can run a special or an offer. I think that is a key. Um, the other thing I think um, maybe to speak to one of the things that I did that I don't think is necessarily, I think it still exists in the video side, but I think it's going to die pretty quickly in the photography side is stock photography. Um, I feel like AI is going to really dominate that space really quickly. And while I still am making um, like maybe two or $300 a month in that space for a portfolio that I set up in actually like 20, 2004 through 2008, um that i'm still generating that is the most passive of the income but i don't think that that's uh that that really exists anymore and i think that that's um if i think for stock video i think that that's still viable um so if you're making video you're able to still generate revenue from that mm-hmm. um but, I feel like for the photography side of things, it might be slowly disappearing. So it might be time to focus on on other things. Um, you kind of briefly mentioned prints there that it would be beautiful to have this like ongoing print business. <laughs> yeah. um, I've tried, and it does not work for me nearly as well as I want it to in my brain. Yeah, um, it worked well enough, but it was never kind of like a it could never have been my full-time business when we wanted to make. Trips break even. So we would book a trip. We would go to do something cool that we wanted to do. And we would come home and we'd actually run a gallery show of images that we captured on there or on that trip. And we would also make kind of a little promotional video for it or maybe a full episode for a YouTube show. So we'd be like, want to go to New Zealand? Never been. How do we finance this? No company is going to give us money to go and just do this cool thing. So if we go, we film a piece of content. And then we come back and we have a gallery show and we show off the images and we sell the images that we um, that we took on this. I think that that could work out. And it worked out pretty well. We did it for a series that we did in Kenya, as well as Antarctica, as well as Banff as part of a show we did with Nikon. And those worked really well. We just did an actual physical in-person gallery, no online sales, and it worked. Um, So that was another random way that we found to finance vacations. We obviously weren't profiting massively off of this, but we were recouping a lot of the cost that we spent on fun stuff. So that's that's another weird income stream. But then when it came to selling online, I could never really, um, I I could do some some sales, some people were interested, but I think it was more based on the fact that um, from my YouTube hat rather than from an actual photography hat, which was why people were buying. So yeah. I never really thought it was a relevant thing to to tell other photographers to do, since it was <laughs> unsuccessful for me.
0: Yeah, you know, hearing that story is is a little bit sad because um, I I wish it did work for photographers to have a gallery of stuff. And I'm seeing that because we've just moved into our office. Our walls are white and they're bare, which is fine. But I have tried to go on to photographers' websites and and buy prints. Now, we have bought some prints, haven't we, Greg? Who we, who we bought? We bought from Andrew Ray, my yep. friend Andrew.
1: Who else did we buy? Nirav Patel. Nirav Patel. Is it only that other one from Cola that we bought? Yes. Yeah, who we don't actually
0: know the photographer personally. We don't. <laughs> uh, and when it came, it was like the number two image printed yeah. like, number oh, two cool. of 500 i think it said yeah number two of 500 so it's cool yeah. i wish i could remember the photographer's name uh sorry um but lovely image <laughs> but yeah uh, it was harder to find photographers
1: that have a print shop yeah i think if somebody's trying to make income through prints it's some it's not as passive as what they would like they need mm. to be a bit more proactive in promoting that so that people are aware oh you know i can go and buy prints from them mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's something that I'm sure you can make money from, but mm. you need to put the effort in there to promote
0: it. Yeah, and I so I had to yeah. go and I had to go on Instagram and directly contact some of our some of our pals <laughs> for images and um, yeah. <laughs> still having our yeah. back from them because obviously you know it's <laughs> I don't know where that
2: Raphael is yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly exactly uh, but yeah yeah I, I really thought that was funny. Um all right. I, I put a note on my calendar. I'll open a print shop tomorrow and I'll run this <laughs> as a test to see if it can actually work in uh in twenty twenty three and I'll have results by Thrive. So this yeah. can come full circle.
0: Hey, cool. if if you actually do that, we'll buy. We'll buy something for the wall. There you go. Right, it's worked already. <laughs> cool. One sale. First, already. first customer. Damn. Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> Um, have you have you tried? Oh, I mean, obviously, you mentioned the print idea. Have you tried any other options that you would say to people it's just not going to be worth your time? Very much like the print, you know, yeah. But you know,
2: I think. Um, well, I like speaking to your story that it didn't work for me, but maybe it would work for someone else. Yeah. Um, I would say stock is one of those things that you'll read a lot online that it's like, yes, you can make thousands of dollars a month easily by doing this Uh, for photography. I don't think that's the case anymore. Um, I don't know any other streams that have just kind of like completely died out though, that a lot of them, none of them will ever be completely as passive as we want them to be. They all require work and effort, but if you're willing to put in the work and effort in a smart way, most avenues of photography, you can generate revenue. Um, Some of them might not have the leverage or the scalability that you want, um, especially, I guess, even speaking to weddings that like, yes, you make good money, but you are there physically on the day trading your time for money. Um, It's not like you're hiring. Well, I guess if you're hiring someone out and you have a studio with 25 different shooters and everyone's out doing a different wedding, maybe there's the leverage there. Um, But yeah, the more time and effort you put into these avenues, I feel like most, most are viable. Um, it's just figuring out a way to do them correctly. And I guess smart for your area that if you live in the middle of nowhere, it's very challenging to be a hyper focused niche photographer that if you are in a town of 500 people, you got to be the town photographer. You gotta, you gotta do everything, um, rather than just focusing specifically on your black and white portraiture of dogs. Or whatever it might be, but <laughs> big city, you can make that black and white dog portrait business work.
0: You, pr- I, I bet, I bet people do and have. Well done, yeah. well done. Um, I want to move away from your talk subject just a little bit because if people want to learn more, buy your tickets to Thrive. There are still tickets <laughs> left. Come say hello to Taylor. Say hello to us. Talk to people. Network. Have fun. Drink. Dance. Be merry. Um. We talked to Lily Red on the last episode of the, of the podcast about the balance between being an artist and being a business person. What's, what's your thoughts on the balance? Because obviously you've talked about you know your love for wedding photography and the fact that it kind of inverts the nine to five. So yeah, what's your insight?
2: I, I think I came into photography more as a business than anything else, um, that I very intentionally, um, I was into music and concert photography and ski and snowboard stuff and that didn't generate any money. That was just, I got to do cool experiences, which was also great. Um, but I very intentionally literally went on Google and I was like, what kind of photography actually makes money? And wedding photography was up there on the list. And I was like, that sounds fun. Like I can take pictures of people's parties and, From, I would say the beginning that that's kind of been my intention is to run a good business that allows me the time, freedom and flexibility to kind of do the stuff that I want. Um, Location independence was also uh, important for me that like, yeah, I got to be Saturdays. I have to be physically somewhere, but the rest of the week I can kind of do whatever I want. I can manage my business kind of from anywhere. Um, So that was another key for me. Um, So yeah, it was very heavily on the business side of things um, rather than the art side of things. I think Mm -hmm. that you have to be an artist on some level, um, but I would hesitate to call myself that, whether that's imposter syndrome or whether that's um, that I'm just kind of more of a business owner. Um, I don't know what it is, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, definitely, definitely more on the business side of things. um, And maybe that's where the efficiency on the wedding day and everything comes from as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And not shooting for myself, I guess.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned starting off and not earning money because that's exactly what happened to us. Doing cool stuff with like music and stuff, but we were like, man, bands don't have money; they just do not have money. So, yeah, yeah. we moved into the one industry that we were absolutely fucking petrified of, (laughs) 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 and we just got over that really quickly. I think, but yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. You learn everything in music, though, like. You learn how to capture low light, fast movement, like decisive moments in, and it's like, you go to a wedding day and it's like, Oh, you just like set up this thing. And it's like during the daytime. Wow. (laughs) This is easy.
0: Yeah. Come on to the big window, to the big window, please. I got to get a shot of this. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Do you have any advice for people who sort of they're trying to get that balance of the free time? So obviously you've mentioned a couple of things that you've implemented recently, in terms of putting your pricing online so that it cuts down your admin work and using a bit of AI. Do you have any other advice for people to sort of free up some time, but still keep that creative touch to their work that they want?
2: Yeah, I think it's um, very much hiring someone or at least kind of partnering with someone that wants to do the stuff that maybe you don't want to do. Um, I would say that's a key for me and it's been kind of a key for the past bunch of years in terms of, things that I'm probably going to be doing over the next year um, with kind of the new AI advancements it's now I would say that that part of things is very easy but there's still kind of this uh, I guess more workflow on my end where it used to be i'd come home from a wedding day i would send the cards off and like that it would just be done now i have to be more hands-on with that so now i'm going to find somebody to kind of go in between that so they're like somebody that stands in between myself and the ai and they use the ai on my behalf and send me a final gallery um so i think it's all about small tweaks like that and it's not something that you can just be like you're one into business and be like this is exactly how i'm going to operate everything and exactly how i'm going to The most efficient photographer and make the most money. It's just small pieces that you can put into place over a long period of time. Um, you figure out what you don't like to do and you can outsource that or find a better way to do it. Um, I think it's kind of all about that. Um, that there's no exact like, here's the 15 things you do that are (laughs) gonna work for everyone. It's everyone's gonna be a little bit different. Everyone enjoys different parts of business in different ways. Um, maybe you love the bookkeeping side of things, maybe. You love the administration side. Um, in that case, that wouldn't be something that I would outsource. That if you like to do it and you find value in that, like continue doing that and find someone to do some other things for you so that you can have some time with your families. Mm. Yeah, good tips there.
1: I feel like as a duo, we've kind of outsourced different tasks to each other. <laughs> we have. It's, it's worked out actually. I do really all the well. admin and talking to the accountant and stuff where simon does all the editing <laughs> yeah it's yeah.
0: it's it's a good partnership for sure the yeah. the, yin and yang. the yin and yang uh yeah so going back to thrive it's all it's y- y- you're going to give your talk it's not all going to be money money though it's not hmm. all it's not all going to be just a talk you have a shoot <laughs> session i actually said it right for once um, and <laughs> what can people expect to learn during that session with you
2: I think we just go for a walk and my thing, um, I I don't know, like in terms of posing and it's, it's the more fluid you can kind of make it the better. Um, so I really do try to just kind of go for a walk with my couples and see what's working on that day and how to use elements that you're not going in to scout the scene, that it's kind of whatever appears on the day and whatever appears and works with lighting. Um, I think it's all about just kind of figuring out how to make those elements work. Um, in an actual real life shoot. The difference will be that I would say 90% of my couples are like pretty uncomfortable in front of the camera. And they're usually when we first meet, they're like, yeah, we don't love the idea of having our picture taken. Um, I feel like this is a much more intentional that we're going out to shoot. And I know that the people are going to be comfortable in front of the camera. So there's a little bit of a cheat code um, that I normally wouldn't have. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what I would do in situations with people that just aren't, comfortable that maybe don't know how to pose themselves super well um and yeah kind of walk through my process for posing for introverts i guess
1: cool <laughs> cool yeah so let's let's talk about camera gear for a quick minute so through watching your youtube videos you seem to have used every camera under the <laughs> sun so what's in your camera kit bag for weddings for 2023 ah for
2: 2023 um it's going to be a mix it's always it's um I'm, I was on Nikon from 2005 until 2020 and I am so excited to see whatever they do. Cause the Z9 is incredible, but it's like a full size gigantic camera body that shoots 8k and a bunch of other things I don't need. So whatever is going to trickle down from that, they haven't released anything in um, over a year now, um, or I guess any major releases in over a year. So I'm very interested if that tech comes into a smaller camera body. I don't know if I'll go back Nikon, but it will become a player. Um, other than that, I'm pretty much uh, kind of a Sony and Canon split um, a little bit because of YouTube and a little bit because I just like to keep things interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Sony has a, the the secret lens, which is the, the Tamron. It's not even a Sony lens, the Tamron 35 to 150 F2 to F2.8, which is, the best wedding lens, in my opinion, Hmm. like you just put that on your camera, you go all day. Um, it's the best ceremony lens for sure. Um, but all other parts of the wedding day, it's just an incredible lens, but you have, it doesn't exist for Canon or Nikon. So if you want to shoot that lens, you got to shoot a Sony camera. Um, so I will be on Sony a lot because of that. And then for my hybrid workflow, if I need fast switching in between photo and video, Sony does it. If you're shooting in HD, but if you're shooting in 4K 60, um, it's not quite fast enough even with fast cards. So I'm on the Canon R6 II for that. And then typically a 50 1.2 is kind of a main lens. Um, maybe an 85, I don't know, yet this year. Um, but yeah, kind of bounce around between those. Um, but yeah, I love that 35 to 150. Um, mm. And it's keeping me on Sony, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, all right, that's cool. Greg, can you buy me
1: those? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> God damn it! Thrive last year, we ended up changing all our kit to Sony and went all primes, and now he's going to want zooms and still
2: still be on Sony. But that's that's the only zoom though. So, um, can I talk about that lens for a second? Give it like a mini sales pitch. Yes, sell well, it to okay. Greg. He's yes. sold already. Okay, Go. so one, it obviously does everything for you, but the way that it. Renders When you're at 35 at F2, it feels like a prime. It feels like you're actually using multiple primes throughout the entire um, zoom range, which is really cool. But then also, this might be a positive or might be a negative for you. It seems like there's a built in like one eighth mist filter. And this is an optical flaw. But when you're at certain zoom ranges, um, when you're at 35 specifically and you see like car headlights coming towards you, you like go to screw off the mist filter on the front and you're like, no, no. But for wedding days, for skin softening and smoothing, it's really, really nice. Mm. Um, so that might be a positive, might be a negative. But yeah, it's um, it's, it's a nice boy. It's heavy, but I think it's worth it.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we can. We do have Pro Mist on all our lenses, so we do. We yeah. need to
0: buy one for that. Extra, <laughs> extra Pro Misty is.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs>
0: cool. Cool. I look forward to getting that in the post, break <laughs> I must be the worst business partner to have ever. Honestly, I just spend, spend, spend. Um, Taylor, any any book recommendations that you have for our listeners? Any like even TV shows or just any recommendation? Drinks? I don't know any recommendations in your life <laughs> Let's that start you want share. Let's
2: start with books. <laughs> start start with books. Get to drinks. <laughs> yeah. Um, what have I? I'm gonna load up my Audible. Um, I feel like that's the that's the thing. Everyone should just do a screen share of like what you're actually reading yeah. <laughs> versus yeah. what you've just downloaded to be like, yes, I am excited about that. Um. Sam Heard told me to <laughs> listen to a book. It's not as depressing as it sounds. The end of the world is just the beginning. It's a very interesting, it's not a business book. Well, it kind of is, I guess. Um, but it's a very interesting journey um, about how capitalism it's, it's, It's quite a thing.
1: It definitely sounds Um, like a Sam book.
2: (laughs) Yeah. He was like, you should get this. And I was like, it's like 18 hours long. I don't know if I can commit to that. (laughs) Um, And then the creative act, Rick Rubin, I think is pretty cool. Um, That just came out a few weeks ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, And then other than that, I guess I wrote a book. So uh, (laughs) if that's out by the time this is out, maybe, (laughs) maybe check that out. So
0: Um, wait, so your book's finished already?
2: Yeah, it's editing. I'm um, getting Slack messages today that it's edited and uh, Kimmy is putting together the cover right now. So um, cool. it, it will be out for WPPI, which is in Las Vegas um, mm-hmm. in early March. So um, book launch party then. And then then life is good, I guess. I don't know. Hell yeah, yeah, book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and what about TV shows? Anything you've been watching recently that
2: you'd recommend? Um, what have I watched? I tend to not... I go really heavily in phases where I'll watch a lot of content and then I'll go for six months and I will only create content. Um, So I'm kind of in one of those content creation phases right now. So I'm not really watching anything specific. Um, I tend to watch the same movies and the same TV shows over and over again. Um, Parts unknown with Anthony Bourdain. I feel like I've watched probably um, the entire discography of that, like, 15 times it's always just like on in the second room so yeah. it feels like because i work alone so it's like oh at least i got like anthony bourdain in the other room <laughs> hanging out doing cool shit <laughs> um so i tend to over like rewatch that over and over again and then uh i'm still very obsessed with japan so i will watch uh lost in translation a lot as well that's another nice movie just to kind of like oh, yeah. have on that you can come in and out of and that you don't really have to sit there and watch the entire thing mm-hmm. so yeah cool yeah
1: what are you watching, Greg? We just finished Happy Valley, the UK Happy show. Happy Valley. It's oh, a British yes. sort of BBC police show, mm-hmm. but it's actually pretty good. So normally I tend to ignore these shows because I'm like, oh, there's loads of them. They're not great. The American TV shows are much better, mm-hmm.
0: but this one's pretty good. All right. Like, okay. It's very well, very well done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, very cool. I'm just um, still trying to catch up from the the last of us. But um, yeah, I'm still on episode three. I'm, I'm behind everyone by like quite, like quite a bit. quite a bit. Uh, yeah, do you want to ask the final question on the sheet, Greg? I'll let mm. you have it. Go on. Mm. I'll get uh, uh, the angles know. on you. <laughs> Go. I, know. I thought that was the outro already. Don't <laughs> be uh, silly. No,
1: the last question that we like to sort of ask people is sort of obviously you've given a lot of free content through sort of your YouTube channel and some educational stuff, but what's one piece of advice you would tell somebody just new to the industry today?
2: In the wedding space, I think it's important to always be building your portfolio um, in the direction that you want it to exist. So if you want to do destinations, figure out how to start creating that destination-looking portfolio as fast as possible. And the faster you can do it, even if it's on your own dime, the faster it's going to organically start coming to you in terms of paid work. Um, That's, I think that goes for any industry within photography that you're in, I think as well. Um, but specifically for the wedding space, because so much of it and so much of the look and feel of your portfolio is dictated by what other couples have put together for their wedding days that you need to be a little bit hands-on with what you want your, especially your initial portfolio to look like. If if you want everybody wearing converse, you get that in your portfolio now um, because that organically it might come to you, but it probably won't. And your portfolio is going to look different than what you want it to. And when you're in control of it, you get your ideal couples in faster, which speeds up that first like two or three years of wedding work. When you're working for non-ideal couples and your life is a nightmare. (laughs) Um, And then you start connecting with the people that actually that you're not a button pusher, you're now an artist and that they want you there and they didn't just hire a photographer or a video creator. They hired you specifically because they want to hang out with you and they'll tell their friends about you and they'll hype you up and, you make way better work and it's just way more fun mm. and a much happier life. So yeah. Yeah. Definitely a good piece of advice. Definitely for sure. That's awesome. Well, Taylor, thank you very
0: much for joining us on this episode of perspective. Um, Thanks for having me. where can people find you online?
2: Uh, YouTube's probably the easiest spot. I am Taylor Jackson photo on there. Or if you type in Taylor Jackson weddings on YouTube, you will come across it. Um, otherwise Instagram, dot com slash Taylor Jackson as well. And where can people find you in real life? (laughs) In real life? (laughs) I will be, I will be at thrive. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'll be at thrive. Uh, I'll be at, uh, I think they're, I don't, I don't know what else is coming. I feel like I'm just traveling for the next like two months. So maybe you just look me up on Instagram and <laughs> see where I'll be at if you don't happen to live in the UK and you're listening to this. Yeah. Um, I'll probably be around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you will be around. Cool. Uh, and people can find us at cinematefilms.co.uk on Instagram and Facebook at 4 uh, cinemafilms join us on youtube as well youtube.com forward slash at perspective by cinemate and you can uh, get this podcast and see all of our beautiful faces isn't that what you want yes it is absolutely yes it is this episode has been brought to you by photography farm get ready for the two day all-star wedding photography workshop taught by six phenomenal mentors the 20th and 21st of March in Brighton, the 23rd, the 24th of March in Glasgow, six incredible speakers shoot sessions so that you can see your heroes in action. Lunch and snacks provided. It's held in a two cool boutique hotels. Uh, you get a goodie bag as well. And you get to hang out with your industry peers for two whole days. Come and buy your tickets. It's going to be a good time. If you love this episode, hit that subscribe button at the YouTube. And uh, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts for free. We hope to see you in the next episode. However, in the meantime, enjoy your thrive.
3: I should be ordering something like a salad But I just can't say the word Pizza's easier, pizza's more delicious Pizza wins in both of those categories It's the cheesiest, it's the most wonderful It's the best and at the very least magical I love pizza and we'll probably get married Have a baby lasagna and espresso Hey yo, I really like pizza I find it hard not to eat the pizza. Hey yo, I really like pizza. I find it hard not to eat the pizza. The doctor says he'll refer me to a diet coach. Apparently you're supposed to eat some greens. I take the number but never follow up with them. Because they want to kill my pizza dreams. Don't kill my pizza dreams, yo I don't wanna kill you and your dreams, yo So don't kill my pizza dreams, yo uh, something cappuccino. <coughs> cappa, 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 cappuccino. Cappa, 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 cappuccino. Cappa, 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 cappuccino. Cappuccino, cappuccino. I find it hard to not eat the pizza. I find it hard to not eat the pizza. I find it hard to not eat the pizza. I find it hard to not eat the pizza. As You know, pizza is delicious. I'm excited to eat some more. It's my goal to try all the flavors from Napoli to NYC. Hey, yo, I really like pizza. I find it hard not to eat the pizza. Hey, yo, I really like pizza. I find it hard not to eat the pizza. Post a picture, I got pizza lust. Post a picture, I got pizza lust. Chicago style, Sicilian. Post a style, I got pizza lust. Hey yo, I really like pizza. I find it hard not to eat the pizza. Hey yo, I really like pizza. I find it hard not to eat the pizza. I love it so much, I'll wait in line. It's like the theme park ride you get to eat. I love it so much. I wait in line. It's like the theme park ride you get to eat. Hey yo, I really like pizza. Hey yo, I really like pizza.